Well, good morning. It is good to worship our Heavenly Father with you this morning. So thanks for being a participant in that with me. Uh, I, love, I love those moments. Uh, my name is Matt Sawada, one of the pastors. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at LEFC. Once again, truly is an honor to open God's word with you today. Uh, would you please pray with me as we kick this off? Heavenly Father, thank you. As Ken's uh, spoke earlier, um, Father, you are our God. There's so many ways to describe our relationship with you or to describe what you've done and who you are. Lord, thanks for being so big that we, we, we can't even comprehend your vastness. Lord, I pray this morning uh, for your spirit to move. Lord, specifically my heart, it's beating faster than normal. Father, it's partly nerves, partly excitement. So Lord, I just pray that as we speak Jesus this morning, you'd be honored. Thanks, Father. Please, spirit, move. I have your way within us. We commit this time to you, Lord, and we pray in your name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, uh, this morning, we are actually gonna tackle one verse, all right? <laughs> that either means he really trusted me with one verse or he just wanted to give me one. We'll see how that plays out at the end. We're gonna be in the book of James again, chapter five, verse 12. So if you'll turn there with me. Uh, we've got some friends coming down the aisles here or walking up the aisles. If you are in need of a Bible this morning, raise your hand. They would love to, to give you one. Please take that if you need it. We see this as God's word, and it is useful for teaching, correcting, training, and rebuking in righteousness. And so, Lord, we, uh, we're just thankful for this, this word. Also, uh, if you choose to use your cell phone, click on that Uversion app. You can find LESC in the events tab, and you can follow along that way as well. Again, we'll be in James chapter 5, verse 12 today. I have had the privilege over the last 15 or 20 years to travel. I love to travel. I love to travel different places, different contexts. Specifically, in these last uh, 15 or 20 years, I've, had, I've just been blessed to be able to travel internationally all over the world. I've gotten to lead teams to different places. I've gotten to take family to go see and experience different parts of this creation. I've also had an opportunity to go visit family. My sister lives in Europe. And so we've had the privilege to go, to go visit and see and experience what, uh, what life is like in these different places. But it never ceases to amaze me. Every time you step off a plane in another context, it just feels different, right? The words on the signs often are not in English. Or maybe they are, but they're, they're stacked under it. He's, Step off the plane in Tokyo. There's language on those signs I can't read. At all. <laughs> you, know, uh, you step off the plane in Singapore, and you walk through the Singapore airport, and you realize there's a rainforest here <laughs> in the airport. Or you walk through the airport in Turkey, and you realize this airport is nicer than most malls I've been in. 
because it is, is huge. You know, every time I step off an airplane, there's, there's different smells. There's different climates. Like I said, there's different language. You, you kind of walk through the airport and you're trying to listen, like, do I know that language? What are they saying? How do they, can I identify this? Every time it's different. But one basic difference in every context is the money. You know, you, you're walking uh, through the airport, you exit the airport, and you go to a store, and your dollar bill doesn't really work anymore. Because every place you visit has a different currency. It's unique to this spot. You know, over, over the years, uh, I've collected currency. Because inevitably, you come home, and you have pocket change from this place, or some of the, hopefully, smaller bills. So it's kind of a fun little collection that I had. Over the years, I've been to Thailand. Got a little baggie filled with Thai bots. I've been to Vietnam. And that little baggie uh, includes some Vietnamese dong. I've been to uh, Singapore. And in Singapore, they actually use the dollar. It's called the Sing dollar. But they're also, in some ways, similar currency, but obviously vastly different. You know, when I, I've traveled to Japan, and in, in Japan, you, you, I came home with yen. And when I, uh, thankfully, you know, you go to Europe, you can use currency in more than one country, right? They have a union, the EU, the European Union. And that means you can use the euro in places like uh, Germany and France. And you can bounce around. You can use that, that same euro in Portugal. Of course, my sister lives in Prague, which doesn't use a euro, they use the Czech crown. And so these are little baggies I have in a closet. I've been collecting currency now for the last 25 years. Well, this morning we're gonna talk about a currency. And we're gonna talk about a currency that doesn't come in the form of, of paper or coin. It's not something that fits into a wallet. This morning we're gonna talk about a currency called trust. This is a currency, trust is a currency that is built, right? You can accumulate your trust account currency through authenticity, integrity, and compassion. Each of us have trust accounts. And that's a currency that we rely on every time we enter into conversation with somebody Healthy spiritual conversation requires an accumulation of trust currency. Anytime I enter into a conversation with someone, you are unconsciously asking the question, do, do I trust them? Or do they trust me? You see, this is an exchange that happens, not verbally. I think it's just an unconscious thing. Trust is a relational currency that I think for us as believers begins vertically with God through Christ and then extends horizontally into the people around us. Because all of a sudden, my character isn't just my character, it's his. My account is linked, thankfully, to an endless one of our creator. And so we've been in James 5, 
these last couple weeks. The sermon series is titled Give It To Me Straight and it's been a wonderful one in the book of James. And last week, as Tony unpacked verses seven through 11, I'll kind of summarize it for you. He did a great job using the 76ers, unfortunately, 76ers, but it's a great phrase, trust the process. In hard circumstances, James, in chapter five, uses Job and different prophets who've faced persecution. There's been just tough moments. And he's essentially telling them, brothers and sisters, trust the process. Trust the one who can look at these moments, at these situations from a perspective that, that I can't, that we can't. And when we trust this person, when we trust the process, we're trusting in his sovereignty, that he's in control. We're trusting in his timing, right? If, if it were up to me, hard circumstances would be really short. I would fast forward those hard moments so fast. I bet you would too. But no, we trust in his sovereignty and his control. We trust in his timing and we trust in his character. Do we really believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do? Trust the process. You've all been there. Where you've been in a situation that's been a, a hard one and someone just says, hey Bob, you just need to trust God more. Hey Chris, I think you just need to trust. If you're honest, in that moment, you probably wanna punch him or kick him in the shin, step on a toe, something like that. Right, in that moment, that phrase sounds almost too good to be true. And it's the last thing I often want someone to tell me in those hard moments. It's the last thing because, first of all, it's true. (laughs) Right, in that moment, not only is the situation hard, now they've just confronted me and they're stepping on my toes. Right, so I, I never like that. We probably don't either. So it's a confrontation in a sense, but I also feel patronized. I feel kind of patted on the back, like, that's gonna be okay, just trust God. I feel uh, undercut, right? You're telling me that all I have to do is trust? Like, what do I have to do to get out of this? Like, you're, you're taking me out of the equation and you're saying, I just want you to trust unfortunate reality is, and in those moments, someone says, Matt, trust God, what happens is I tend to impatiently make statements that I don't mean. In hard circumstances, whether someone has told you to trust more or what, in a hard circumstance, we overstate the reality or the problem. We get a little confused. And these thoughts or statements then are inconsistent with the truth and honestly then become a window or a doorway into my heart. And they expose who or what I'm actually trusting in. You see, our words, our thoughts, and our actions are moments, they're opportunities to expose trust. Who's actually on the throne in Matt's heart? These hard moments often expose the inconsistency in me. Probably inconsistency in you too. This is what James is speaking about. 
If I were to summarize the book of James, there's probably many ways to do it, a lot of different angles. One word that I would use would be consistency. I think throughout this book, he's telling us, I want you to be consistent in the trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, chapter one. Be consistent in the hard. Chapter two, I want you to be consistent relationally. Whether you're around rich people or poor people or fun people or not fun people or tall people or short people, don't have favorites. Be consistent. There's no favoritism here. Third, third chapter, right? I want you to be consistent with your words. Here's your tongue. And it's gonna wreak, wreak havoc if you're not trying to tr- rein that tongue in. Be consistent with the, the words that come out of your mouth. Do those words portray accurately the God who you trust in? Chapter four, he talks about my heart, the desires of our hearts. Are you consistent at a heart level with what he wants, or is this all just about you? Chapter five kicks off with him railing on on the rich who are abusing that power that they have. He's saying, guys, you've been inconsistent. And then he goes on to speak about these hard situations these prophets like Job who were consistent in miserable circumstances. If I were to summarize the book of James, I'd use, I'd use the word consistency. Are you consistent? James 1, 7 and 4, 8 even remind us to not be double-minded. Be Be consistent. And so we've had a whole lot of messages in James and you've heard similar messages from different angles and this isn't gonna be any different. This morning, I'm here to tell you that your words matter. Your words matter. The, the little things that come out of our mouths that are flippant and, and easy and we just have stream of consciousness, in those moments we get into trouble. Your words matter because they actually expose what's going on in your heart. Luke 6, 45, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Though our consistency, through our integrity, our trust account, this currency is being built by God. Remember, I should have looked up to see who actually said this. It wasn't me. Trust takes a lifetime to build, but it takes a second to lose. So this morning we're looking at one verse, James 5, verse 12. And this verse is made up of three simple but profound statements. And as we step through this sermon, see if, uh, my hope is to unpack each of these. I'm gonna read it for you. I'd like you to see if you can identify these three statements as I read it. And I need to make sure my Bible's right side up. There we go. James 5, chapter 12. Above all, My brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So we're gonna take these, we're gonna unpack each of those three statements. Uh, But before we do, let me just give you a little bit more context. Uh, James 5, 7 through 12. Again, last week, trust the process in hard circumstances. You'll notice in those five or six verses that he says the phrase, 
brothers and sisters three times. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Who's he talking to? You can answer this. He's talking to brothers and sisters. Well done. Man, you get an A today. Like that. He's talking to brothers and sisters. So what that means is James is talking to humans who have the same heavenly father, which means they know Jesus. He's speaking to believers. Guess what, brothers and sisters? He's speaking to you. This is not, this is us too. So we know the audience. In these couple verses, he gives three pretty strong imperatives. Now, I'm kind of cheating because he does one twice. So he gives four imperatives, but there's only three because he repeats one. The first one, he tells us, he tells us to be patient. Be patient like a farmer. Be patient, especially in dis- difficult circumstances. Secondly, he tells us, hey, don't grumble. Be patient, no grumbling. Don't let those words come out of our mouth, especially in difficult circumstances. And then the third one. Tells us to be patient, be patient, don't grumble. The third one we're gonna tackle here today, he says don't swear. Don't swear, especially in difficult circumstances. I think for us to understand and discern what he's saying here, we have to look at what he's not saying. This word swear, to us it could mean a whole lot of different things. He's not talking about four letter words. In this moment, he's not talking about those curse words. There are other texts in scripture that speaks to that. Yeah, don't swear, don't curse, right? We can find that in other places. In this context, James 5.12, the swearing he is speaking to is a swearing that, that actually is one that, that borrows the trust currency from something else and plops it into your own trust account. For instance, I I swear by God that I didn't do it. So rather than just saying, no, I didn't do it, now I'm saying, I swear by God. I've taken something from God's trust account, I've deposited it in mine, and now I'm doubling down on this statement. He's saying, don't do that. Don't, Don't do that. You are borrowing credibility or trust from something else, someone or something else. Now, I also don't think he's saying all oaths are bad. I think in this moment, uh, James, and we'll we'll read in Matthew in just a minute, they are, are cautioning us against making flippant, in the moment, impatient oaths. Not formal ones, meaning this. I think you you see in Acts 2, God himself swears an oath. Peter's preaching a sermon, he uses David and how God makes an oath to David that there will one day be a descendant on the throne, the Davidic covenant. God vows, God makes an oath to that. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.23 actually says God is my witness that what I'm saying is true. And so you have God making vows and oaths. You see Paul doing this. You can see it in several different texts that oaths and vows in themselves aren't bad. It's the why we do that. 
It's the why underneath the action that really matters. And so in a formal context, it might be uh, joining the military. Some of us have brothers, sisters, relatives, uh, or friends who've, who've enlisted. You get sworn in. That's a whole ceremony. Or maybe, maybe you're, you're running for political office. Maybe we have a future president in this room. I'm gonna pray for you. <laughs> and if that president makes it to winning an election, they swear into office. Or, uh, you know, uh, two Saturdays ago, I officiated a wedding. It's a fun young couple. They made vows before God and these witnesses. And those promises, they're now accountable for. And so I, I, the Bible is not anti-oath. The Bible is anti-flippant, off-the-cuff. I am stealing authority from something else and I'm putting it into my account. I am stealing in that moment. The Bible's against that kind of oath. So our credibility, so why does James discourage the use of these oaths? He's saying our credibility should actually be in our actions. Our credibility should be based on our integrity. We, we shouldn't need to borrow from God's trust account because we should already have our own. You've all been there. You have friends who you say, hey, tonight, seven o'clock, you in? I promise I'll be there at seven. In your mind, you're like, no way. <laughs> yeah, you'll be 20 minutes late. No, actually 30 minutes late. Which is totally fine. A lot of us look at time totally differently. But in those moments, just don't promise. Don't swear, hey, this time I'm gonna be early. You're gonna be held accountable. Or have you ever, maybe with a, a little one, have you ever made a pinky promise? With, with a kid, you know, maybe you're serving kid minutes. I'll give you a pinky promise. I promise we're gonna do this. You might as well have signed your name in blood. <laughs> right? Like you just made a lifelong covenant with this kid to, to pull off whatever pinky promise you just made. I, uh, I have a daughter. She's now going into ninth grade. Her name's Blakely. I call her B. And she loves to ride bike. Just loves to go on a bike ride. And when she was probably seven years old, eight years old, we were trying to go on a bike ride and I couldn't go on, on this day. So I told her, B, I promise I'll take you on a ride tomorrow. Famous last words. Right? Uh, this was, I knew my schedule. It was gonna be open for this evening. It was all gonna be good. What I didn't check was the weather. It was raining, it was pouring, there were puddles. Blakely, we're not gonna go for a bike ride. Dad, you promised. B, it's, it's wet, like why would we go? Dad, you, you promised. I lost street cred in the eyes of my daughter that day. As silly as it was, that's, that's how I felt at least. She might tell you differently. We didn't get to ride that day. And I wish I would have just phrased it differently. Blakely, I hope we'll be able to go tomorrow. See, my words mattered to her, just like yours do in every relationship you have. We are held accountable to the vows we make. 
Be cautious with your vows. Numbers 30, Deuteronomy 23. Numbers 30, verse two says, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. It's so easy to let an oath slip and borrow credibility, borrow trust currency, especially when we feel inferior, afraid, or out of control. Maybe, I swear, I swear I didn't do it. It could be this time, I mean this time I, I really mean it, I promise, I swear I'm gonna be on time. I think this one's funny, this is a new phrase, the word honestly. I mean, honestly, that dinner was amazing. Was, was it really amazing? <laughs> Why did you have to qualify it with honestly? Shouldn't you always be honest without the qualifier of honestly? I mean, honestly, why'd you say honestly? Hopefully I confused you in that because I confused myself. But just be careful with the clauses you use and your words that you make because you are held accountable for those promises. And that matters. You see, the second simple sentence in this verse, James 5, verse 12, is a continuation of a broader theme in the book of James. Let me reread it for you here. James 5, verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. James is particularly concerned in this letter, in this, uh, this epistle, with the verbal integrity of his brothers and sisters. It's mattered. And throughout the letter, he lays out, uh, I found one author who came up with 20 clear principles. I'm only gonna give you eight. James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, they deceive themselves. Be slow to speak, keep a tight rein on your tongue. James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers because you are held accountable for what you communicate. No person can tame the tongue, James 3.8. I think that is a, a pillar within this whole concept. The reality is none of us can do this on our own. We, we are in need of the grace given to us through Jesus. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. This should not be, James 3, 9 through 12. Do not slander one another, James 4, 11. Do not grumble against one another, James 5, 9. And then do not swear, James 5, 12. You, you, you get this picture? Your words matter. It's quite a challenge when you line up all of these things back to back to back. It's humbling to think that none of us can do this. And the reality is, is when it's those moments where we loosen the rein on our tongue, that's when we begin to lose our trust currency with those around us. That's when it becomes a big deal. If you're in control of your tongue, you won't make flippant statements. You're being intentional with your words. I don't know about you, but I can't do this alone. I found this quote, commentator Grant Osborne said this, I love it. If we truly belong to God, 
We stand on our own authority under him and do not need artificial vows to provide a veneer of trustworthiness. It's a good phrase. Do not try to impress each other or to manipulate God as if your works were what counted instead of God's grace. If you're trusting in God's grace, you have no need to impress God or people. And you can be at peace with saying honest words. Catch this last sentence. Integrity should characterize Christians. And integrity will flow from a wholehearted reliance on grace. Let me say that again. Integrity will flow from wholehearted reliance on grace. We can't accomplish any of these commands on our own. It's not in our nature. But thankfully, through Christ and his spirit, the Lord of all compassion and mercy, James 5, 9. We don't have to be perfect in this. However, our verbal integrity is important. It's essential. In church, a simple yes or no will do. As followers of the truth, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, we should strive to be trustworthy. Say what you mean and mean what you say. It's so easy to exaggerate. It's so easy to communicate in half-truths. In those moments, it often makes ourselves look better, right? When we either steal the credit or we're trying to, to look a certain way. Remember, trust is a currency and building it takes telling the truth and exhibiting integrity. One of these half-truths that came out of my mouth a little bit ago, it's a couple years now, Robin and I still laugh about it. Uh, confession moment. Uh, I like to eat. And when I go out to eat, I often don't make healthy choices. Uh, I will take a burger and french fries 10 times out of 10 instead of a salad. 10 out of 10. There's not, this isn't bragging, this is a shame on Matt. Not healthy. Uh, it wasn't until I discovered a, a restaurant called Mix. And Tony knows what I'm talking about. Uh, Mix is right next to Penn Cinema. It's a restaurant, it's pretty good, really good wings. Okay, I don't always do a burger. <laughs> it's fair. Um, but I, I began to realize that there's a salad mix that I really enjoy. And what I enjoyed about it was uh, I could go home and tell Robin, hey, sweetie, guess what? I had a salad today. Uh, but in reality, that, that salad has uh, fried chicken and french fries and melted cheese. And then I would dump blue cheese on top of that. <laughs> I was telling the truth but it wasn't the whole truth. And now every time I tell her I have a salad, she has to ask me what kind of salad. There's, I've created this back and forth with my bride. Unfortunately, she figured it out that it wasn't necessarily a healthy salad. It's not one of my best moments though. It's funny to laugh about, it tastes really good. But I lied to my wife. If I don't have integrity to be able to own what I eat, what else am I gonna cover? 
And we had to work through that. So integrity is something that, again, you build this account and you lose it in a moment. So my question is, how have you used your words recently? How is your trust account with those around you? Have you been operating with verbal integrity? Think about the last 24 or 48 hours. Have your words communicated your trust in God, in his sovereignty, in his timing, and in his character? Or have they deceived those around you? You building your kingdom or are you building his? Is there anything you need to confess this morning before the Lord when it comes to verbal integrity? Maybe there's someone you need to, to find after church and actually ask for forgiveness. Let me just pray. Father, uh, we thank you for being a God who not only is worth our integrity, worth our honesty, but a God who's modeled it. And we desire to be brothers and sisters who, Ephesians 4, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel to which you've been called. And so, Father, I pray that by your spirit you would convict, you would comfort, you would encourage this morning, each of us to, to walk well, to speak well. So Father, please stir in each of us a desire to honor you with our words. We love you, Lord. Thanks for Jesus. We pray in his name. You know, I, my prayer for you coming out of today was that we would be consistent in how we speak and I'm thankful for James. In verse 12, he actually gives us a why. Oftentimes you get these commands and you get these like punches, but there's no reason. Like, oh, what? Tell me why, Lord. James 5.12, again, above all, brothers and sisters, don't swear. Not by heaven, not by earth or anything else. All you need is a simple yes or no. Here's your why. The third statement here. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Catch that? This theme of condemnation and judgment is present in James 5. He speaks about it earlier with the rich man. He tells us in verse nine, he said, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. All you need is a simple yes or no, verse 12, or you'll be condemned. Friends, you're gonna be held accountable for your words. The serious ones and the flippant ones. Notice these cautions were written, thankfully, to brothers and sisters. And so what, what that encourages me with is this judgment and condemnation is not eternal judgment. It's not separation from God. This isn't something we lose our faith over. We know that the judge is at the door, chapter five, verse nine. He's listening. You're gonna be held accountable for those words. The judge is at the door. But once again, James 5, 11, 
Thankfully, that judge is filled with compassion and mercy. And Jesus has already paid the price for this. Our words matter. Our words are significant because we portray Jesus through these words. The song we just sang now a half an hour ago, I speak Jesus. It's true in every conversation you have today. We will stand before Jesus, accountable for our deeds, words, and motives. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Again, Christ's death dealt with our sin problem. His spirit empowers and gifts us, brothers and sisters, believers for service, but each of us are accountable for how we've used those gifts, opportunities for ministry, specifically our words. Think of the parable of the talents. Someone gets five, someone gets two, and someone gets one. And it matters what those individuals do with those gifts. Don't just bury it in the sand. In conclusion, it really is no different today than it was in James's day. Culturally, there's chaos. Happened then, it's happening now. It's probably just a way to define culture. Because of that chaos, though, it's hard to remember the high premium that Scripture places on truth-telling. Biblically, friends, there's no such thing as graded truthfulness. It's like my salad. It was true, 50% of the way. It was on greens. Man, it was junk on top. There's no such thing as graded truthfulness. It's either true or it's not. It's black and white. Culture lives in this gray area. And we've seen an increase in the way these little white lies have been accepted in both culture and the church. And that's not okay. LFC, let's commit to the principle of speaking truthfully at all times. Because all around us, things are falling apart. You look at commercials. Almost any commercial you watch is trying to trick you into doing something or buying something or visiting this place. They really tell the truth? Is that really happening? Or media? Go watch the news. And I challenge you to watch it from two different channels. And then ask yourself who's telling the truth? because neither seems to be doing it. And this could be a whole nother sermon, right? But politics, across the board, I kinda don't care who you vote for, I wonder about their integrity. How in the world are you actually gonna have, make this platform happen? Or is this platform just about you getting elected? Is this true? 
You're getting a glimpse into Matt's cynicism there. How about sports? A coach can sign a, a contract for the next five years, millions of dollars, and then tomorrow decide there's a better one. And all of his recruits are left high and dry. Just peace out. That contract is a vow. They're, they're gonna be accountable for that. See, all those things really aren't surprising because there's a means to an end and it's culture and they're not living, I say, on the same biblical standard. But unfortunately, it's no better than the church. Uh, friends, that's what hurts my heart. We are the ones who are supposed to be waving this truth standard because we have a relationship with Jesus who died for us. And yet we shame and we abuse and there are scandals and there are lies. Oh, that's, that's poor. I see, let's be better than that. Let's be men and women. Let's be brothers and sisters of integrity. Let's change the narrative that Christians actually stand for something. Now they stand for someone. It's horrible to see how we, broad, big C church, are not representing the word of truth to those watching from the outside. Remember, trust is a relational currency. And if we're not living with integrity, our account's beginning to be, become pretty depleted. Words matter because they display integrity and they embody Jesus. Words matter because they communicate where our trust resides. Words matter because we're accountable for them. They'll not they will one day either earn us condemnation or praise. Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. LEFC, let's commit to the principle of speaking truthfully at all times. May our words today illustrate our integrity and communicate Jesus. Father, we're grateful again for the, the life we have because of your son. We're grateful, Father, for the opportunities we have to speak Jesus into those around us. Father, I pray we'd be men and women who love God, love people, live truth, and with integrity proclaim Jesus. We love you, Father. Thank you for truth, and we trust in you. stand together. We conclude this, this morning with a affirmation of where our trust lies. Letting go of every single dream I lay each one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering never changes why
tried to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight. No matter what I face, you're by my side. walk in a manner worthy of the one who we trust. If you would like to talk to someone, I'll be up front. We'll have some friends in the encounter room. We would love to visit, process, uh, pray with, um, or even encourage if, if that is what you need. This morning, I'd like to close by reading two scriptures over us. The first one is in 1 John 5. And John says at the end of this book, the end of this epistle, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Let's, let's represent the truth today. Zechariah 8, closing with this. There are things that you shall do. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. 
do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath. For all these things hate, declares the Lord. Friends, today, let us look for ways to build that trust currency, not only by resting in his truth, but by speaking it with integrity. I love you. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you later.